you never heard of. Hey everybody, welcome to the Common Folk Podcast with Ben, Morgan, and Andy. All right. What's up? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> there it is. I'm in a room here full of a bunch of dudes. There's a we sausage need some, party. Yeah, yeah, some girls in here. But It's actually a beef party. We'll, there we we'll go. Oh, nice. That. That's how you work the segue. <laughs> yep. Now yep. We, we're being joined by the guys out of Certified Piedmontese. Oh, you pronounced it right, too. Okay, I was oh, just yeah. going to say, I don't know. I think I say it wrong every time. <laughs> we hear it just about every way, but it's Piedmontese. Piedmontese. Yep. Where does that come from? Well, it's an Italian breed of cattle. So okay. it's from the Piedmont area of Italy. So everyone's kind of, our owners are actually named Pied, their last name. And everyone thought that they actually named the breed of cattle after the owners. Mm-hmm. But that's but it's the other, cl- no. 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 Okay. And we hear Piedmontese. Piedmontese. Uh, what's some of the good ones? Piedmontese's. Piedmontese is a good one. Oh, yes. I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't you guys that. introduce yourselves real quick before we get too far into it? Yeah. So we're, um, my name is Ben Mole. Um, I do a lot of the sales and marketing for the company, um, but we wear a lot of many hats around here. So, I mean, we've helped pack boxes for the holidays. We've helped cut meat down in our butcher shop. We sit on the customer service line. We just we do what's needed. And so yep. it's a lot of fun working for a family company. It lets us do pretty much everything. Sure. Yeah, and I'm Joe Finnegan, and uh, to echo Ben's sentiment there, we uh, we do a lot of things at Piedmontese, and it's a small, tight-knit, you know, small family-run business, but, but uh, man, are we mighty when we can put our heads together. So excited to share that Piedmontese message with you guys today and, and uh, kind of hope, hopefully grow with you as well. Are, so, you, are you guys, the reason you guys are both here today is because you're um, more involved in the marketing than other folks are, or is that the deal? Yeah, we're about, what, a quarter of our marketing team. Okay. Uh, and then we also do uh, our own podcast, the Powered by Piedmontese podcast. But, oh, nice. We'll uh, check that oh. out. Oh. Yeah, no free plugs. It's, it's still <laughs> nice. kind of going. Uh, stay no, here. it's good. These no, guys are good. They no, worked it in there. No free advertisements <laughs> on the Common Folk podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Plug it. That's fine. No, that's good. No, I didn't sounds know great. you guys yeah. did that. We'll check it out. So you two are on it. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Or do you have guests or no? From time to time okay. we do, yep. All right. And what's the uh, theme of that? Well, we talk about, I mean, obviously a lot of how Piedmontese ties back into the beef world. So we've talked about the harvest process. You know, as far as consumers, they don't see behind a certain veil Mm -hmm. what they get in like larger consumer marketing. Or Mm -hmm. that's, you know, another big piece is like a lot of, you guys had the uh, upstream farm guys on here. So you get that spectrum of of cattle uh, producing or beef producing, cattle raising, and the whole commodity market that's out there, which largely was everyone thinks about when they think about beef. Right. Tyson, Cargill um, of the world. But, like, that's not how we do it. That's not how a vast majority of smaller beef brands do it either. So there's two totally separate markets out there. For sure. Um, A lot of the connotation or negativity that goes on in this industry should be directed towards those large four players. Mm. Uh, Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, too, from our perspective as a producer's angle, understanding and teaching the why and the how, because so many peoples and consumers mm-hmm. go to the store and they look at the fresh meat case and see, I want that ribeye. Yeah. But they don't understand the why or the how that product actually got there. Mm. So educating and informing people, just like what you guys are doing, uh, is, is vital because knowing where your food comes from is, is becoming more and more paramount you know, by the day. Absolutely. And Joe, you, you were missing one of the W's there, the what. Like, what are they actually looking at? And you're telling that complete story because uh, if we backtrack this, let's really get into what actually Piedmontese is. It's an actual type of cattle, correct? Right. And, it's and, a, and hold on. 
Oh. Got my own plug right there. <laughs> Love you guys, Nebraska Brewing Company. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. But yeah, the the what, just to your point, is is we are a branded beef program, which, you know, there are plenty out there, mm-hmm. but it's how can they get their message out there and then how can that branded beef display all the way to the unfinished product by by your logo being with your meat in that meat case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you guys are kind of self-sufficient and you do it every level. I mean, you're straight at when... When people say from field to table or from, you know, mm-hmm. farm to fork, uh, you guys really are living that. Because, I mean, according to what I've read up on you guys, you, cattle are out grazing out in western Nebraska, north Nebraska. Then they come to Lincoln, to the butcher shop, the whole nine yards. You guys do it. Yeah, I think a big part that what separates us from a beef company is that we're vertically integrated with our cattle company. So we raise and produce our own cattle for our own beef company. So... Like, we could all start up a beef company tomorrow, for example, and we just buy from a cattleman. We'd go through the money and resources to process it, or harvest it, process it, Mm -hmm. package it, and ship Mm -hmm. it, and sell it, and market it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we obviously do that, but obviously we have a big part in raising the cattle. So they're raised to a certain program standard. We need it all natural. We need it grass-finished, grass-fed, grass-finished. We're shooting for this type of weight so we can get this type of consistency Every single week of the year. Oh, I was okay. talking to a, we both were, Morgan and I, um, someone that's getting into the whiskey business. And they're uh, like reinvigorating this old brand that's that has been around forever. And we were asking them, like, oh, you guys started distilling and these kinds of things. Like, oh, no, you know, we're, we're buying barrels out of Kentucky and we're blending them and we're making it. We're putting our label on it, you know, whatever. And that reminds me of what you were just talking about there. Like, they're, they're branding. They're selling on... You know, they're selling this thing on marketing, but it's not their stuff. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, you look at a lot of direct-to-consumer, you know, mail-order beef companies, and it's much of the same. There's there's a big one here in Omaha. Yeah. uh, But then even like the butcher Mm -hmm. boxes of the world, they paint this beautiful picture of what looks like rolling hills in Montana. (laughs) Well, in long story short, their beef's being imported from, you know, Uruguay and New Zealand. Sure. So you're not eating even, you're not even consuming a U.S.-based product. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we could, that could be a nice little segue to dive into this because I do a little um, reporting on the ag side for News Channel Nebraska as well. And one of the, and since I grew up on a farm, I just get, <laughs> I get all the ag assignments, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. all right. So Andy will do it. I'll do it. <laughs> so uh, the beef producers, our calf, they were a big part of a rally. This was a couple of years ago, but I'm curious as to where this battle is right now, but it was the OCM, Organization Competitive Markets. And I interviewed Bill Bullard of RCAF, the CEO, and one of their big, big complaints to Donald Trump and his administration and everybody else was that beef from Brazil, China, was allowed to be shipped in the United States, go through a processing plant like one of the big four that you talked about there, unpackaged, repackaged, and then it's straight up was called a product of the USA. And I also saw through doing a little research for this, it really affected like probably more than anyone else, grass-fed beef market. So you guys, it affected you guys more than anybody. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to pull a fast one over the American consumer. I think most Americans, if they saw a product of Uruguay, Mm-hmm. They would run for the hills. But all these companies that are especially 85%, maybe even 90% of all grass-finished beef in this country is not from this country. Mm-hmm. Largely because it takes time to raise ca- uh, cattle all on grass. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. therefore, if it takes longer to raise, it costs more to raise. Therefore, the beef product's going to cost more. Mm-hmm. Right. So now is the American consumer who wants grain-finished, wants fatty beef, going to pay more for a grass-finished steak? Typically not. Right. You know, So right. it's cheaper 
like for consumers want that cheaper one, so they have to go for Australia beef um, mm-hmm. or Uruguayan beef, uh, Irish beef. So for us, that's where our breed kind of makes the segues because we actually are a great grass-finished beef because we taste like a prime-grade steak without the fat. You don't get the the yellow fat that comes with grass-finished beef because we're just leaner, so it's just a tender body steak that actually is a steak that you want to buy and we're willing to spend more money on. Mm-hmm. There's um, two things there that I want to touch on real quick. First of all, to rewind a little bit, for you guys personally, what's what's your guys' background? And, uh, you know, have you come up in kind of agriculture or the industry, or how did you get into this? Yeah, so I'll unpack that one first. I've and been, this is Joe. Yep, Joe, sorry. All right. No, it's all good. I've uh, been with the Piedmontese business for about eight years now. Uh, started just out of college with a marketing degree. Uh, but, you know, I've had family that, that's in the agriculture industry. I spent my summers up in, in hayfields on, on the rake every summer. But uh, outside of doing more farm work, you know, I never was really involved much with, with beef production, uh, which has now morphed into more marketing and, and sales of, mm-hmm. of beef. But uh, it's really cool to see those parallels, especially coming from a predominantly, you know, black Angus town mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Up, up in north central Nebraska. Yeah. Um, it's cool to see that there's other breeds out there and, and especially what the value proposition is of the Piedmontese breed of cattle mm-hmm. being very lean but extremely tender yet so um, with Piedmontese it's it's fascinating in the fact that you can eat a ribeye steak and then go do a hard training exercise an hour and a half later mm-hmm. when typically you would have just insane meat sweats or, or grogginess mm-hmm. you know you can actually you know bake your cake and eat it too with Piedmontese hmm. interesting I like your segue that you do this hour and a half rigorous training after eating. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Ben? <laughs> well, it's a tough act to follow. So um, the family that owns our beef business uh, also owns a range of golf course net- or golf courses around the country, as well as one of the largest um, trade journals for uh, construction equipment, egg egg equipment. Uh, even trucks and trailers and planes. Hmm. Um, I was with them uh, for over 10 years, uh, traveled the globe on their dime, um, establishing sales and other networks. Um, and one day they said, hey, in February, we're going to move you over to the beef company. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Um, you know, obviously eating beef. Uh, and I do have, <laughs> I do enjoy cooking. Uh, so I, you know, frequently talk about good foods or eating Piedmontese. Um, so one day just kind of walked up, sat next to Joe, um, and then we just kind of went to town. So we really kind of focused on growing the marketing of our beef company. Our website at the time probably did 25 orders a week. Um, you know, and as we get into the holidays, we're doing a few thousand. So it was getting our website up to snuff. It was getting our marketing up to snuff, our advertising, large of which I didn't have a lot of experience in. But, you know, we just immersed ourselves right. into what we need to do. And learning about stuff in the beef industry is not that hard. Uh, there's plenty of information out there, yeah. but it's... Choosing the places that actually give it to you objectively, right, um, right, and reading through all the large commodity stuff. So uh, it's been enjoyable. Um, I love working for this place. That's yeah, cool. When you talk about um, like orders, you guys are are shipping direct to consumer. Uh, is that kind of is that going all over the U.S. all over the world? What, what's that look like? So predominantly U.S. Now, you know, I don't want to make it seem like we're just a, a mail order beef business. Ninety um, percent of our uh, businesses boxed beef, so we're sending out subprimals in boxes to retailers all throughout the country. Okay. So, okay. I mean, they're, uh, when you get an animal, you have to move the whole carcass. Sure. You know, when you think about going to, you know, CPB for Piedmontese.com, you're not going to buy a denuded inside round as a consumer. 
you know, you might if you want to, you know, make your own uh, jerky mm -hmm. um, or stir fry beef. But typically, they're coming after grinds uh, and a few steaks, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but those retailers move the rest of the animal. Sure. Um, or you, as a consumer, again, likely aren't going to buy two thousand pounds in one swing, where yeah. uh, a retailer certainly would. Uh, but for our website, um, we're just U.S. only. Um, shipping frozen perishable items, you know, you got two to three days to get it to someone's yeah. doorstep. So going into Canada, um, it's possible. But I mean, uh, yeah, at that point, I don't think they'd pay for that. It'd yeah. be $100 a pound, I'd have to guess. Yeah. That would it, be a lot. Yeah, it would. Um, it made me think about something else. Oh, and, and so it's and it's all coming out of here in Nebraska. It's all shipping out of here in Nebraska, right? Yep. So we just built our, our own 50,000 square foot cold storage facility where we're drop shipping everything all across the country in addition to loading those semi-truck loads of, of box beef to go coast to coast on semi-truck trailers. Interesting. I, I would venture to guess that probably... 90% of the people that are going to listen to this podcast, if not more, mm -hmm. have no idea this is going on here. No, not at all. None. I mean, for as good as you guys do marketing, you guys really are a drop in the bucket compared to, you know, big, big established, the four big ones, right? Yeah. You but, know, but and, and what, Go oh, ahead. Sorry. what I mean by that is um, this is, you know, just Nebraska. Yeah. You know, we say that, like, it's just Nebraska, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you think about when I look at the marketing that you guys do and, and how everything looks, I would think like... Oh, man, this stuff's shipping out of New York somewhere or right. California or something. Yeah. I mean, this is just Nebraska, dude. Mm -hmm. Well, and you, know? you guys were talking about marketing. So, honestly, I didn't even know this was around for ever. And then recently, I would say probably the past year, seeing tons of billboards, seeing the mm -hmm. advertisement. So that's probably kudos to you guys and your team and all this stuff. But I didn't even know it was a thing. And there is a good reason for that. I mean... Prior to, I would even say two years ago, again, with the vast majority of our business being in boxed beef, you know, this is going out to California. Our beef's going out to New York, to Florida, to Texas, to areas that want leaner beef. Mm -hmm. And, you know, three, uh, I'd say three years ago, we tell you Nebraska's not our target market because everyone here has got right. an uncle that raises yes. their own cow. I got a half a beef in my freezer. Or they want something that's just ridiculously marbled. You know, they want something super fatty. And when we offer a leaner beef, even with our uh, grain finish program, I mean, it's probably choice, I would bet, you know, but we don't market or grade ourselves because our tenderness comes from the breed and the genetics. So Nebraska wasn't our target, so mm -hmm. we didn't spend any dollars here. Oh, okay. Uh, when we got our butcher shops going, uh, we started obviously doing a little bit more investment into the local area here, and it just kind of took off. Uh, during the holidays, ne Nebraska rules a roost for us for corporate gifting business gifting, stuff like that, or just even consumers gifting out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's our, I'd say, our second top market during the holidays. Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the rest of the year, it's probably in our top seven. Uh, most of it is you know, high metro-based uh, places, California, Florida, New York, and Texas. I mean, they dwarf what Nebraska does, but they also have more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and a little bit, maybe a little bit different, like you said, a little bit different culture. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I raised my eyebrow when it was brought to my attention that we we're going to get some of your guys' beef, you know, and cook it and try it ourselves. And this time I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm from a small town up in northeast, north central <laughs> Nebraska. And I remember we had a run in with grass fed beef back in the 90s. And the old boy that lived outside of town, he, he took one bite and threw it away. <laughs> so, like, that was my experience. So when I was told, like, oh, no, it's grass-fed, grass, grass, grass-finished, you're going to like it. I'm like, ha, ha, okay. But, no, I tried it. I, I'm not just saying this. I sign off on it. It's a really good taste. There is a different flavor to it. And maybe in, like, layman's terms, can you kind of break that down for us? Like, why is it 
not marbled, not fatty, more tender, and it doesn't taste like grass. It doesn't taste like an old mule deer buck. Yeah. You know what I mean? doesn't have that gnarly taste to it. Yeah, super short answer for you there is the fact that this breed of cattle naturally has an inactive myostatin gene. So all of their food energy is converted into muscle rather than fat. So like you and I have mm-hmm. an active myostatin gene. So when we eat a donut, mm-hmm. our body knows that that's not good for our body. So it stores it as fat. Okay. Uh, with the Piedmontese having an inactive myostatin gene, everything's super muscled up and, and their muscle structure itself is very dense or they have shorter muscle fibers mm-hmm. uh, and they have deposit little to no connective tissue. So that's where the tenderness comes from. And this is where, you know, I was thinking about this, where you guys are really behind the eight ball in a sense. Like you do, you guys do phenomenal marketing if you know what you're looking for yeah. and you actually seek it out, go to your YouTube channel, right? But for the common Joe that's at the grocery store and he sees your steak next to a beautiful marbled ribboned one with a bunch of fat in it, you guys got to explain to him why your steak's just as good, if not better. And I think that's one heck of a hill to climb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'll explain the kind of our shift in our, our business strategies because of that. Mm-hmm. So even we're not currently in hy V or I mean, some of the local retailers is because the guy behind the counter isn't one of our sales reps either. So if we're in the fresh meat case and they look at a leaner beef but seeing a higher price tag, mm-hmm. like, hey, why yeah. is this one so much more expensive? That butcher, whether he's 18 years uh, old, 20, he ain't he gonna, won't He won't know what to say. No, we don't <laughs> pay him to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so obviously we <laughs> yeah. produce point of, what we call uh, point-of-sale material. So mm-hmm. we could have nice branded colorful things that say taste the Piedmontese difference or experience and explain some of that. But how do you get into the inactive myostatin gene and less connective tissue and shorter yeah. muscle fi- I mean. The consumer can't handle that in just a, a few second per, uh, minute purchase right. at the store. So we need to take over that story ourselves. So we're, we're investing so much more in our own business as far as direct to consumer because we can tell that story. They can be on our social media pages. We can reach them with those ads and we'll sell it rather than the guy behind the counter. Mm-hmm. So we are making a big – and obviously we make more selling it ourselves than cutting in room for the retailers to make margins. So. Right. Uh, we're making a pretty big, sizable shift in our consumer marketing so that we uh, I mean, tell the story, sell it better, keep more money. And that's why you're seeing the, the billboards okay. uh, right. during the holidays, commercial advertising, um, and a hefty um, digital marketing campaign coming up uh, this quarter. So um, there's a big reason to all that because it is a hard thing to sell. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing or we can really do for folks is get them to taste it. Because uh, I can tell you, too, I'm blue in the face that that lean steak that you see there, whether it's grain finished or grass finished, it's going to be tender and it's going to taste like real beef. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm living proof of that. So, I mean, yeah, you guys had a sell job on me <laughs> and I had to try <laughs> yeah. it to believe it. So do you guys, uh, just to kind of get this out of the way, do you guys believe wholeheartedly? I'm trying to figure out the best way to answer this question because obviously you guys work for this company too. Uh, that this is definitely the way to go or is it something where you're like, in your own freezer at your own house, you have a mix of this stuff and maybe some black Angus or whatever. And you're, you're kind of, depending on what you want to eat at the time, you're mixing it up. So like you mentioned, we're obviously very partial and biased, but uh, this is the only beef that I've eaten in eight years. Uh, And truth be told, we say, and, and we're big proponents of the agriculture industry as a whole. You know, a lot of the farmers and producers out there that are raising their own beef, mm-hmm. they're doing everything the right way. You know, we, we just take it all the way through that production cycle. But for us and the, the attributes and, and unique nature of the Piedmontese breed of cattle uh, is it's half the fat calories and saturated fat as traditional beef. So we like to call that, you know, more of a daily driver or more of like putting that into your daily diet, which mm-hmm. – 
uh, Ben and I eat, you know, meat every single day mm-hmm. because it's nutritionally very dense, more dense than, than commodity beef. Um, and it just tastes so dang good that, yeah. that you can craft pretty much anything up with it. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of echo that, you know, calling it an everyday beef is I think you can train your palates to want to taste that fat. Mm-hmm. So I'm t- if you start eating Piedmontese for a week, you know, I haven't tried this out myself, out, you know, or studied it, but then you go back to eating a prime grade steak or a Wagyu steak, mm-hmm. all I taste is fat. And so I immediately can feel like this <laughs> okay. richness. And I'm not saying yeah. it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, that's what fat tastes like. You know, so then you have mm-hmm. a lean steak. Like, Wait, that's what beef tastes like. Mm-hmm. And so I've trained my palate, my family's palate. Or, I mean, so I, going out to restaurants, I mean, I'll cook a better steak at home than mm-hmm. a, a restaurant could. But even there, like you taste this fat. And like, that's not what I want anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of spoiled us um, from what we were told for growing mm-hmm. up and yeah. what everyone tells you that, you want that riddled marbling in that steak, which yeah. I can say is probably true for every other breed of cattle yeah, um, or program. But with Piedmontese, like, I don't want it. So uh, when when you guys were learning about this, and, and maybe you talk about this today, like, would you compare this to, like, a, a bison or, like, some kind of wild game, like an elk or something like that? I, As far as, like, the, some of the nutritional profile, sure. You know, you know, just because it has less fat, it's just basically going to be healthier. You know, if you're talking about grain finish or grass finish, like, is it healthier? I don't know too much. I mean, you might get some more nutrients out of the grass finish, but really it's just got less fat. Mm-hmm. So the common sense here, well, you eat less fat, it's healthier. But so from nutritionally, we do compare to bison or what the market would attribute to a bison goes. But bison is not like a tender steak. You might get one or two cuts off the whole beast that is actually a tender steak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where us, it shines pretty much throughout the whole carcass because mm-hmm. that's the Piedmontese genetics. So, mm-hmm. you know, elk, for example, super lean, but, you know, their body's not digesting this grass to produce a great meat quality or steak quality. Everyone loves the, the what do you call it? I don't know, filet mignon, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Backstrap. Backstrap. backstrap yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wish I was more of a hunter. But um, for the most part, with Piedmontese, like I said, it, the genetics are the only thing that make this thing work. You know, another cattle or uh, even if it was Angus feasting on grass like this ain't going to produce the same type of beef that the Piedmontese would. So mm-hmm. we are certified Piedmontese. So we're pulling DNA samples from all of our calves to ensure that they have this inactive myostatin gene. And that's what we use as a consistency marker to prove that our finished beef quality or beef product is certified Piedmontese, and we know it's going to be tender. Hmm. It's interesting. I, yeah, and I asked that question because I haven't had the beef. I'm sure we will here before long, especially after this conversation. Yeah, I'm but, interested. But uh, we have had that game. We've eaten a, we, we have eaten a fair amount of bison, and just in my mind, that's what I think. Like, it's 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 way more dense. It's it's muscle fiber, It, but then we have to cook it. Like, we can't cook it as much. We have to keep it kind of rare touchy. to keep it tender. It can get tough. Yep. Um, but if we do it right, man, it's awesome. Yeah. But you know, it's 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 more touchy, like you said, to yeah. to cook. And we've had you guys out making burger, deer burger, is uh-huh. what my wife calls it. And that's another thing. There's not a lot of fat in there, so a lot of times we will we'll throw a beef shoulder in there or a pork butt or something like that just to give it a little bit of fat, mm-hmm. so it'll give it a much better flavor, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, and it'll stick together. You know, the burger will fall apart because there's no fat content to it. You know, when you're talking about like grinds of beef, you know, we still shoot for certain types of blends. Mm-hmm. So our grass finished grind is actually about 80 20. So it's got fat in there. It's okay. got carcass fat in mm-hmm. there, all from whole muscles in there. We do produce a, our best seller on our website is our 96.4 ground beef. 
Uh, we sell hmm. an alarming amount of it, but that's super lean. Mm-hmm. So you're probably typically not making burgers. Out right, of it. right, right, right. Um, but you know, being a muscly cow and muscly breed, we obviously do very well in the powerlifting community. Um, mainly thanks to Joe here for setting up some of these connections. But oh yeah, you know, so all these nutritional like that, yeah. fo- folks they want that lean protein source. Yeah. So that's why the ninety six four just hauls off our website. But uh, again, ba- you know, back to comparing to bison, most bison that you'd find commercially is grain finished. Mm-hmm. You get this idea that these are roaming animals and they're feasting on grass for the most of their life, but they're finished in a feed yard just you know same as cattle. Both part of the bovine family, so they can even be processed at the same plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with our Piedmontese, and I don't have no proof of this, but you know, I think especially in the way Nebraska ranchers do it. I mean, I'll say Nebraska ranchers do it better than anyone else on the planet. And I really think it's because we actually have seasons here. So where our cattle aren't on pasture feasting on green grass for up to two years. I think all that green grass that they're eating is what leads to more of that grassier flavor mm. that you'd even get with like a venison. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that you know. Yes, in the spring, our calves are getting green, but when they're starting to get the feeding process there, I mean, they're getting a lot of mix in the nutrients that it's not that vibrant green grass that leads to more yellow fat. So you just get a better steak flavor. Now, obviously, we've perfected that. I mean, our cattle company, once again, knowing the nutrition that needs to go in the feed and how to f- feed these animals, again, is why we have such a fine beef quality at the end because we're controlling that whole process. Hmm. How long has this company been around? So we actually just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. 10 years. Uh, we've been okay. going direct-to-consumer since about 2014. Okay. Gotcha. The breed's been around. Oh, yeah. And then the breed, it has been around for uh, years centuries. and years? Okay. Yep. So the Piedmontese, gene, or I suppose the genetics, or the bulls first came over into, I believe, Canada. Um, and then um, the Montana Ranch brand is what we acquired uh, about 12-plus years ago. So they were doing Piedmontese out of Montana. As an F1 cross program with an Angus, uh, we when we took over the program, we focus on genetics. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we're really working on the seed stock of these bulls, getting the bull development going. So again, working towards what we know is a consistent end beef uh, product. Because we weren't just, you know, a lot of the farmers out there, they're just raising cattle and they sell it off to another beef company. Mm-hmm. Well, we have to buy it ourselves. So right. like, we have to know that it's consistent product, especially for the prices that we're charging. So, again, that vertical integration is kind of a key component to providing the best beef that we think is possible out there uh, with Piedmontese. And I, before I forget, so you work for the Pied family, and they're from the Piedmontese area of Italy. Now, was that a deal on Ellis Island where, like, your name's Pied now? <laughs> when they came over, when the family came over, mm-hmm. so yeah, a slight correction. So the Peds are are from Iowa, the Ped family, not 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 Italy, not Italy. Not Italy. Italy I mean, Iowa? it sounds really good when you say Italy. <laughs> so uh, so the Piedmontese breed of cattle would have came from mm-hmm. Piedmont uh, in northern Italy. So they are a dual pers- purpose animal out there, um, and so they were for work, for meat, for cheese. Um, but it's really that unique. And our beef, I. Sh- fully back it up. If you go to Italy and have Piedmontese beef over there, it ain't going to be twice as good as what ours. I mean, mm-hmm. the way they raise cattle over there is not the Nebraska way. Yeah, it's different. I'm sure it's good, but I mean, as far as the true taste of how good Piedmontese can be, it really has to come from us. And I'm sure they're, they've got different, they're feeding them different things. Like there's going to be different species of grasses and so yeah. on and so forth that's going to affect that, I'd imagine. Well, too, and just the space to do it. Again, you okay. look at Nebraska. I mean, look at how much feed yards we have, yeah. grasslands we have over yeah. there. Italy, you know, old Europe there, they're crammed in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So you think about this great uh, 
I don't want to say cost of living, but like how these animals live over there, it's tight. Mm-hmm. Some of them, they're just in some stone quarters mm-hmm. there. It's not as nice of a story as going wine tasting through yeah. the Italian countryside there. <laughs> um, and so, again, Nebraska just does it the right way. Like, no matter what the program is, you know, across the board, no matter the breed, beef is raised better in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can I, – that reminds me of, like, when I was little and we would – I grew up on a cattle farm, small operation. And I can remember in the springtime when me and dad and my brothers would kick all the cattle out, you know, from – the, the winter, you know, storing area by the barn out to the pasture and it'd be just lush, beautiful green grass and be like, those cows are so spoiled. They don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you're saying. I mean, it's just different. It's different when you got the, the ground and the grasslands to work with. And that's really the cool part of the breed of cattle as well, because the Piedmont region in northwest Italy is actually known for being very ripe grape growing country. So they sure. produce some of the world's best, you know, Italian wines. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have the cattle there as well, you know, I don't know if they use mm-hmm. use the cows for fertilizer and things like sure. that, but um, it is very hilly, mountainous terrain. And so, you know, even just being in western Nebraska where it's nice and flat or having those rolling sand hills, yeah. it's a lot easier on, on them going, you know, to and from in the pastures. Yep. No, that's, and that's some of the best grazing ground in the world. You know, I'll get up on my Nebraska soapbox right now. The sand hills with that type of natural switchgrass, uh, the different types of grasses that are out there. I mean, and it was made for uh, bison. And now it's just kind of evolved into, well, the bison are, you know, the, its own thing now, but it's for cattle now. We talk about that quite a bit, you know, when you think about the environmental uh, impact that cattle uh, theoretically has on the industry, mm-hmm. even though I've totally vouched that I think it's actually healthy for it. But, like, what else would we do with that land out there? Mm-hmm. No, that's what that land, yeah. that's what I was saying. That's what that land was made for. That's what it evolved hand in hand with the animals, the bison. We, and I don't want to say joking, but, like, you know, you look at California and how they – I mean, probably to have a cattle pr- program out there, or pork, or whatever the case may be, California is going to tell you no. Screw you guys. We mm-hmm. don't want in this state, right? Cow farts are bad. Yep. So stop <laughs> blaming the cows. And look how big California <laughs> is, but look how much of it burns all the time. Hmm. They have no natural regenerative process to feast on the ground, return some soil and nutrients, and keep some of that overgrowth down. Mm-hmm. If you know, if they outlawed uh, farming or cattle raising in Nebraska, we'd be burning down every year, just like some of those other states. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the cattle is what's good for Nebraska, and Nebraska is good for this cattle. Yeah, and yeah. it's it, it, all, it goes hand in hand with everything else that we do with row crops. I mean, I know you guys are talking about grain-fed uh, animals, but or uh, grass-fed animals, but the grain-fed animals, I mean, we grow all this corn and all these soybeans, and these animals, we, re- we rely on these animals to hit those fields after harvest, to clean mm-hmm. them up. Mm-hmm to suck up those nutrients, to lay down fertilizer, to keep the ecosystem going on and on every year. And that's yeah. that's what happens around here. And that's a misconception, too, is that farmers uh, don't care about the land. They don't care about conservation. <clears throat> yeah, right. They care more about their property, their grounds, all of it, the traditions, all of it, than just some person strolling into a grocery store, you know, buying the steak mm-hmm. here, there, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see more what's called regenerative agriculture show up mm-hmm. in claims brand so if you're shopping for beef and you see regeneratively raised you know it's becoming a buzzword but like heck we've been regeneratively raising yeah. and yeah. farming and <laughs> <For> since <laughs> kingdom come it's just the new word they're saying it's the new word uh-huh. but then consumers yeah. like oh that sounds nice so, so much pretty. nice when that guy down the street's doing but like we've yeah. all been any responsible rancher and farmer i'd say yeah. in the country for the most part is doing that because they they're stewards of their own land of no, their own animals and not only that it 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 pays like it makes sense, you know. You get again, you get the fertilizer from the cattle for your grain for the next season. Like, that's 
more or less free fertilizer or it's fertilizer that you're getting paid for basically you know what i mean and, and you could add that to any step along the way so for people that think that like oh my gosh like you said this is so nice or whatever well yeah it's nice but the farmer's doing what they should be doing and and it makes monetary sense yeah, it makes business fiscally sense. responsible yeah, yeah yeah but it'd be like you taking your your corner beans to the elevator and say hey this was regeneratively raised i'm gonna like another dollar more per bush, right. bush. yeah, yeah. they tell you like, screw off right. man. that's not how that works <laughs> Get out here. you know but you know we as a branded program we do strive for certain claims that we want on a label mm-hmm. you know adding claims to label can help us command what price we want to sell it for so starting actually of, of this month, our grass-finished beef is actually now non-GMO, which is pretty much unheard of in scale in this part of the country. But you know we want that claim on that label so we can get this type of price. So I don't blame the producers out there that want to put regeneratively sourced or raised on there because it's going to help them get a little bit more price per pound or per mm-hmm. package that they mm-hmm. have on there. So I get the, the claim-based advertising, but to me it's like something else like – what are your farmers doing that no one else is doing? Because mm-hmm. now you're just capitalizing on just what farmers have been doing for centuries. That's the point that I was thinking exactly when you were saying that. Like, if you make a claim, but it's something that everyone else is doing anyway, like, you're just you're just playing games. Yeah. You know or has I mean? been doing. You're yeah. just doing a marketing play. Right, yeah. right for sure. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys, because um, we've talked a lot about the, uh, the grass, 100% grass-fed, and you guys do sell grain-finished beef, so... What's the story behind that and, and those two and why you have that and where it comes in and so on and so forth? So we've always been in, obviously, the, the raising and husbandry aspect, and we've always finished on grains up until about the last, I don't know, probably 12 months, 18 months. Oh, okay. So it's um, relatively new. And that was a testament to the breed of cattle because we've kind of done some R&D on our end, and we've noticed that there's virtually no difference in taste and performance when these cattle are finished on grain. A lot of that is, again, due to the genetics of the breed of cattle mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that they don't deposit lots of connective tissue or lots of surface fat. So there's not really an opportunity for that yellow fat to become present in these steaks. Okay. Uh, a lot of our grass-fed steaks still have the white fat because they deposit so little of the fat. So it virtually tastes the same as grain-finished, which is a remarkable attribute to this breed of cattle. And so then is the decision monetarily based because it cost less to grass raise them than grain finish them? To me, it's not so much the costing because it does actually cost more because it's just going to take longer for this cattle to get up to weight. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what we were seeing, you know, because we were a grain finished program, mm-hmm. but ungraded, right? Because uh, going through the plant, a USDA inspector would give us that choice rating. But like if you eat our steaks, it tastes like prime. Now we actually have shear force testing data to actually back up our claim that we're just as tender as prime. But, like, to the consumer, like, it would be a disservice to our breed of cattle putting a grade on it. So now we're taking a grain-finished product out to retailers throughout the country without a grade. You know, then all of a sudden it's also leaner, right? So we kind of lose the appeal to the consumer because of the breed. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we can't tell all the story in these retail stores. They're not in there long enough to look at it. Mm-hmm. So when we tested the grass finished, it was to actually create – like, we were almost selling ourselves as a grass-finished product, even though we're grain. So if a retailer wants grass finished, like, well, just buy our grain finish. It's it's leaner. That's what the consumer wants anyway. Um, but, you know, obviously they didn't take us that far enough or else we'd still be largely doing grain finished. So to do grass finished was to exist in a marketplace that we knew was growing with a product that just su- far succeeded anything else. Yeah. So it was more we weren't fitting in where we needed to in the grain finished market because we didn't have the fat, you know. So now with uh, grass yeah. finished – 
people aren't necessarily looking for fat. You do start seeing some grass finish companies claiming to be prime grade, which to me I'd run far <laughs> away from that because if it's that riddled with fat that it took a prime grade, that thing is going to taste like you're eating grass. So mm-hmm. uh, with us, it's just it's a marketplace that fit, um, fit our breed, fit our performance. And now we're running up to retailers like we had grass finishing here before. It didn't sell well. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, you didn't have Piedmontese in there. Mm-hmm. And so give us a chance to let you taste it. Um, and then we'll win over you and your customers. It's like it's almost like a completely different way of going about, um, you know, understanding your beef. Because, like you said, we we've all been taught all these years all these grades. Right. And when it gets when it comes down to it, I think that the grade has to do with the amount of marbling, right? And you guys are saying like, no, the, uh, with with our breed, the almost the less marbling, the better. Yeah. And so it's almost like it's like backwards. It's it's. Totally it's different so for opposite. people to understand. It's the genetics yes. of this of this breed out of Italy. You know, yeah. that's really what it boils down to. And Joe, could you kind of run us down exactly what all you have? Talking about vertical integration, right? You you touch it here, there, and everywhere else, and straight to consumer. What all do you got going on there in Lincoln? I kind of consider that Eastern Lincoln, Nebraska. You got a restaurant, you got a marketplace, you got the slaughterhouse, right? I mean, it's all right there. Yep. So the only thing we're not doing in our whole system is, is the actual harvesting of the animals. Okay. Uh, but we bring everything in um, from the fabrication floor in, in box beef, subprimal form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's further processed into the steaks that you're getting delivered right to your front door uh, at our facility on 84th and Havelock. Uh, within that same facility, we're also doing our own ground beef production. So we have our own ground beef production line where we do uh, five-pound pillow packs, 10-pound pillow packs, uh, hamburger patties, and then uh, one-pound bricks uh, that also go direct to consumer in addition to our retail partners throughout the country. And then uh, to your point, uh, what you touched on there is we have a retail shop that's open to the public every day from 8 to 8. And uh, soon to be two more coming online as well, one in Western Omaha and one in South Lincoln. And then we have a restaurant on our facility as well that's uh, it's called Casa Bovina, and it's a northern Italian fine dining restaurant that showcases mm. um, really an upscale presentation of, of the Piedmontese beef as center of the plate focus. Mm. Wow, that's really cool. Date night, you two? I know. I was just thinking <laughs> we definitely need to check that place and I, out. And I totally would because, I mean, it's experience-based. Yeah. You know, you're not going to walk up there and walk out in 45 minutes. You know, so you are kind of committing yourself to two hours because you're wanting our chefs to take you through a true experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unique. Like everyone probably in Nebraska when you first got that going, like, what are they doing out there? <laughs> um, you know, but and you're likely going to spend mm-hmm. 90 bucks a person, 100 bucks a person if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Get the tasting menu. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? <laughs> okay. Uh, but like no one thought I was going to succeed, but like we're filling up left and right. I mean, if you want to get like eat between 6 and 7.30 – like you're probably going to book a month out, um, unless you're willing to eat, you know, at eight o'clock. Which I, we found out uh, Lincoln is no one wants no one's not night owl at eighty fourth and Havelock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Andy, one more thing that I shame on me forget, forgot to mention is uh, we have a smokehouse coming online here oh, within there the next we go. eight weeks or so that we're actually going to be producing all of our own lines of of beef sausages as well as uh, salumi and charcuterie products as well. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. That made me think about something else because um, just myself and my buddies and all of us around here, we do a lot of barbecue, a lot of smoking, which that's not what you were talking about there necessarily, but where we'll do briskets and ribs and tri-tips and, you know, whatever the case may be, even chuck roast, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always seemed like when we do that, we can't do it with 
like wild game because it's doesn't have enough fat. The smoking process doesn't work. Right. You know, you got to mix something in. Um, you can't really do it with bison. We've tried. We, we're playing. We're doing some experiments with them, You're but not wrapping enough bacon around it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> a little bacon in there. Yeah. But is that something that you guys have have tried or, or have had chefs try? And and how has it worked? Yeah. So we have folks that that barbecue our meat everywhere. Um, it is along with barbecue, even cooking our steaks, they do cook differently because of it's almost kind of like preparing it as if you're cooking wild game mm-hmm. because it's right. got more meat to it. It's going to dry out if you cook it to that 135, yeah. which is the traditional yeah. you know, medium rare. But, um, you know, there's folks out there too that get creative when they smoke for, for low and slow, long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest kind of revolution right now is, is everybody wrapping with beef tallow mm-hmm. uh, to just moisturize that meat as you're actively dehydrating it mm-hmm. through the cook process or smoke process. So uh, just wrapping it with beef towel seems to do wonders for, for our beef, whether it be a brisket or, you know, bone and chuck short ribs, what have you. Uh, or, you know, Ben likes to make the uh, the poor man burn ends with yeah. uh, the chuck roast. Mm-hmm. So, Do you do that with the Piedmontese beef? Does that work? Well, again, that's all yeah. I really do eat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, especially with the chuck roast, I end up braising it at some point. Mm-hmm. So getting some liquid in the pan, even if I'm doing a, not burn ends, but mm-hmm. just the whole chuck roast. But... We've done briskets. I mean, we'll do briskets. Um, we have a Friday lunch at our uh, facility out there, and we'll serve 250 people out there with our brisket. So, I mean, yes, it's leaner, but, like, when you're cooking something for 12-plus hours, like, yeah. I mean, it's still going to be tender. Uh, yeah. And there's yeah. still fat in this animal. I mean, they all need fat to live. But um, our meats, I mean, can still rank up there with – because, again, the, the genetics keep that meat quality so good. No matter what you're smoking, it's still going to turn out really good. So, mm-hmm. um, But with our smokehouse – I love it because we're taking byproducts. So, and what I mean by that, like if we're trimming up our New York uh, strips for the website, our ribeyes, sirloins, you know, that byproduct has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we could sell it off to some company to make pepperonis or meatballs. Mm-hmm. Um, we traditionally were making um, our own hot dogs out of it that's made with all steak trim, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much steak dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we can't call them steak dogs because of the USDA and their finicky la- labeling laws. But um, so we're taking a lot of our uh, trim from our own processing facility and basically going to make our own line of gourmet beef sausages. Um, and so we're going to make beef bacon out of there. We can make our own hot dogs now. Uh, we're going to do some cured meats, uh, more Italian style. Uh, and we will even have some pork branded um, cured meats going on in there as well. So it's a testament, again, to the whole animal mm-hmm. that, you know, we're not just after the, the nice steaks that everybody wants. We can find good homes for all the byproducts that come off the whole carcass. You know, when you're getting carcass trim that comes back that t- traditionally would go into grind, mm-hmm. you know, we can take that and form and make our own meatballs out of it. I, I saw your hot dogs, and uh, one of your, your fitness guys uh, from out east w- was talking about them. Uh, what, what was his name? He's a gamer, too, I think. I mean, big arms. I mean, arms the <laughs> size. Like, Mike Dolce, probably, yeah. There you go. He's like, I even eat the hot dog, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't, you don't see fitness guys talk about yeah. eating hot no, dogs. No, not so really. I, it, it made me curious. I'm like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about those. Well, and it's it's really interesting too from that fitness world. I mean, if you look at our grass fed beef, it's it's naturally leaner, obviously, mm-hmm. as the breed. But like for an eight ounce sirloin, grass fed, grass finished, it's per eight ounce steak, it's two hundred forty calories, fifty two grams of protein, and point eight grams of fat per steak. So at that point, you're leaner than chicken, you're mm-hmm. leaner than salmon, but you're getting literally pull apart tender beef. See, like that doesn't even make sense when you hear that. Does yeah, it? you know, when yeah. you no. think of beef, you just you don't. 
<laughs> you don't think of it like up. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just the sirloin, you think of flavor, not necessarily tenderness. Mm-hmm. But here right. you have just unmatched flavor. But like I said, you don't even, like, you need a butter knife to cut through the steak. It's that tender. Or mm-hmm. you can straight up cut into into strips and then pull it apart. Hmm. So yeah, you guys well. have talked about price a few times. So is it a lot higher in price compared to, I mean, is it even hard to compare? Yeah, no, that's a fair question. And we get, especially in our social media ads, we get ripped all the time for- Oh, do you? You guys are priced you know, way out of the market. But yeah, but compared to what? You know, I, compared to prime grade beef, that's kind of where our pricing kind of aligns with. But, mm-hmm. you know, with these social media keyboard warriors who mm-hmm. are attacking us about our price, like, well, what are you comparing us to? The, the Tyson brand, the JBS brand? Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that beef, but that's, I mean, you're talking- Tyson, I mean, one of their plants could go through 5,000 animals a day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not obviously anywhere near that, but of 5,000 animals, that inconsistency is a straight on roller coaster. Uh-huh. But you pay for that con- inconsistency, I suppose, because it's volume. Mm-hmm. They're putting volume out there to have beef exist uh, more of a commodity or market pricing. And there's nothing wrong with that. I do believe it needs to exist in this country, in this world, so people have access to eating beef, you know, from its nutritional um, component as well as just having a nice treat yourself type of moment. But we've uh-huh. talked about that. Sorry to interrupt you real quick, yeah. but we've talked about that a number of times on this podcast where like there's these kind of specialty things um, and, and this big machine needs to exist for mm-hmm. for those kinds of reasons. For you the know, food chain. Yeah, we've yes. talked about it with grains. We've talked about it with a lot of different things. Uh, it does need to be there. Yep. And, you know, we get compared to pork or chicken and all those types of things. But, you know, the farmers out there, you know, chickens, you know, especially in a commodity sense, it's born and like you can plant that or uh, plan that harvest date six weeks. You know, mm-hmm. pigs, let's call it six months. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to take an animal. I mean, you get the cow pregnant, the gestation period taken nine months. You know, got to get the calves and then the feeding period. I mean, you're probably talking at least two years of development yeah. for one animal mm-hmm. and all the costs that go into it the feeding, um, the carrying, the husbandry. I mean, even the trucking. Then you process it. You have to pay to harvest it, pay to package it, mm-hmm. pay to ship it. Yeah. So, I mean, Beef shouldn't be cheap. It's always been a premium product. So when we get your beef too expensive, I'm like, well, you probably don't know the first thing about um, producing or selling beef, but mm-hmm. how can we s- clap back at someone like that? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, and that I it doesn't matter what it is, uh, boots, shoes, t-shirts. I, I'm always amazed at when the first reaction people will give you is, well, that costs too much. Like, what what are you basing that on? Well, how how do you know what it takes to make a T-shirt to, to any of it? Mm-hmm. And this, you guys have done a really nice job of laying it all out there. And you also made me think of a little point there where it used to be one of the reasons you could justify beef costing so much or being that premium product because they, they eat corn, right? And it takes all that just to grow the corn and then harvest it and then get it there. Here, you're almost supplanting that with grass. And if you really think about that, the grass is a more could be considered a more natural commodity that they're consuming on a daily basis. I mean, because you're preserving the sand hills. You, you know, it's not, It's not. I don't want to say just a row crop, but it's something different, but it could be viewed the same. Yeah, and we're actually um, growing our own foliages and, and grasses as well. So we're about 95 to 97%. Well, now with a GMO, we'll have full sustainability and, and we'll be able to be self-sustained with our own feed within the program. But there we go. I want to go back just a little bit because that really grinds my gears too when people say it's just so expensive. You know, they say our beef is too expensive, but then you ask them what they've had, you know, for lunch or dinner in the last two weeks and they go through the McDonald's drive through yeah. and get a Big Mac twice in that span. And it's like, but you have no problem spending 10 bucks on a terrible hamburger. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and when you look at, you know, eating steaks and grilling out, it's almost kind of ceremonious in a way. You know, a hamburger on the grill is one thing, but when you have steaks on the grill, you're kind of thinking like, oh, I'm going to have some people over or mm-hmm. we're going to make a really nice meal. So it's just all about the balance and making choices. Yeah. And, you know, if, if you can afford to fill your car with premium gas every time, you would do it, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it runs better. Yeah. Just like eating a higher quality beef, your mm-hmm. body's going to react better and, and run better. Hmm. That's a fantastic point. And uh, I was talking to um, my partner, Brandon, about this, uh, that I do a lot of sports broadcasting with. Uh, when I had your guys's your your one pound bricks, you called them hamburger, uh, and I wanted to do it right. And since it was premium, I bought the Hawaiian buns, the real deal. I bought a brand new honey mustard from Sweet Baby Ray's. Didn't even know that stuff existed, but you know, just like if I have a, a really nice Corvette, I'm gonna buy the premium gas. So it's almost a deal where you you level up and you love it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're if you just go cheap and then cheap and then cheap. You know, you're kind of selling yourself short of the experience, the taste, everything. I think some of us become spoiled around here, too. <clears throat> I would say that's the case with our household because we have so much access to mm. beef and pork and, and chicken and these meats. It's a good life, um, brother. Yeah, I mean, it's here. It's not It's not because we're rich. It's yeah, because right. we're yeah, in right. the heartland. This is where it is. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I mean, we'll eat. There, We could have weeks where we'll eat steak four nights a week. You yeah, know? and sometimes uh, the kids are like... Really? Steak steak again? I mean, that just sounds so bougie. Like, really? (laughs) You got a problem with steak (laughs) four nights a week? Right. So my point (laughs) is, is that I think a lot of, a lot of folks around here kind of think like that as opposed to what you're thinking. And and that kind of reminds me when you're saying that, like, yeah, you know, this nice stuff like this, this is a ceremonial thing. This is something to not take lightly. You know, it's special. Well, and we're also selling a brand. That goes mm-hmm. with it, you know, mm-hmm. and if you're, you know, buying just from a local farmer, you know, they're more, I mean, not the, the quality's any different, but like they're not rep- trying to protect their brand out there and command a premium value across the country. So, I mean, like we have to be proud of our pricing and we actually have to do it that makes it sustainable too. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make sense just to sit there and undercut our beef and then, oh, well, let's lay off half of our production floor. Let's cut Ben and Joe out of the business. I hope that doesn't happen. But, <laughs> you know, we still have to run and operate a business at the end of the day. We're not just harvesting two animals a month mm-hmm. yeah. and finding homes for it or doing herd share or you know, shares with uh, local consumers. 52 weeks, we got retailers that we need to supply a consistent product to right. every single week. So it's a challenge to do so that at a price point that people will continue to pay for. And, again, it ties it back down to the leanness and performance. So we have our, our work cut out for us. Because of we're going against everything oh, everyone's yeah. trained, yep. mm-hmm. um, and we're working our tails off to sit there and spend that money to tell the story in the right way. And we're still not going to win everybody, but if we can just get people to taste it, yeah. I think that is where we'll win. I mean, ninety nine times out of a hundred, you know, we do demos at stores quite a bit. Um, you know, we're looking to expand even our ambassador teams, just team that goes out and samples at all these retailers, because we get consumers to taste it and they. Usually at our trade shows, they stop. Well, what did you season that with? And you just look at them dead in the face with a smile like salt. <laughs> you know, and they don't understand. One, they probably don't know how to cook steaks that well. Mm-hmm. But when you cook it right and you season it right, and then you get a premium beef quality, like it is transcendent in a in a way that these people are baffled. Mm-hmm. They can, and like I don't even like steak, but that it, you know might change my what I like in beef, or they like it well mm-hmm. done because they yeah. told it's gross for yeah. you. You know. Like, that was the first time I had a medium rare steak in probably years. Like, that might have changed me. Like, well, again, that's the Piedmontese difference. 
of why you liked it so much. Mm-hmm. And Ben, I've been telling these guys, I'm like the best ambassador I know. Like I really am. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for somebody, yeah, you know, right? You know, just throwing it out there. All right. So Andy wants a side gig. <laughs> and we actually had to, or, or is kind of forced to, but we used to be the healthier beef option was our tagline. We've since we've since switched that to real Nebraska beef. Uh, because we'd go to these trade shows on the coast, and, and they would say, the healthier beef option, so what is it? Is it you know tofu? Is it vegetarian? Oh, mm-hmm. Or huh. we would have people try it and look at us and go, what is this? And we say, oh, it's beef. And they say, well, I've been a vegetarian for 23 <gasps> years. At least it was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, oops. I can see where that They thought happen. they were yeah. eating. But in all fairness, that was kind of before all the fake meat craze out there. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I would always say it's the healthier beef choice, you know, as opposed yeah. to option. So that was before my time. So I can't take credit for that old tagline. <laughs> but it is just kind of amazing um, where people go, especially these trade shows. We have to go to a lot of them. Like, we are the coolest kids in the party. You know, uh, if we have, there's a trade show hotel, people will be clapping for us when they see us. Like, are you guys going to be there tomorrow? Uh, the last show we were in, uh, we got a standing ovation as we walked. We were a little bit late. We might have stayed out. <laughs> late? Fashionably <laughs> late. Fashionably late. Ooh. Look at these guys. And, like, there were six booths that basically wa- gave us a round of applause as we walked into the trade show. Because <laughs> they're feasting on our steak the whole day right. long. Right, yeah. I mean, again, you have steak smells that just fill up the whole arena. It's fun to be the cool kid, but yeah, when yeah. you do it with such a nice product, mm-hmm. when so many other things at these shows are fake, whether it's fake meat or artificial stuff, or you know, not to wreck like the keto side, but that's not real food anywhere, you know. So we're promoting something that is real as premium as it gets mm-hmm. and as simple as it gets. So just a little yeah. bit of salt, maybe a little bit of pepper in there, like people are just that's what real food's supposed to taste like, and it's really cool to represent that um, all throughout the country. Hmm. Yeah, it's a great story. What what's next on the horizon for the for the company what you guys got going on well outside of a potential downtown lincoln uh restaurant um news to come up with that it's pretty exciting to watch our brand grow uh just in lincoln mm-hmm. um but we've really started to you know working with our, some of our branded uh partners or producers is to expand our protein line where i don't want to be a private or white label out there and call something Great Plains Beef or Certified Piedmontese brand. So it's working with other producers in the country to acquire like their pork um, or their seafood. Like they're doing things the right way. They have the great story. We're just adding it to our website. Hmm. Um, Because obviously you you guys might eat steak four four nights a week. I eat beef quite a bit, but there's a lot of families that want more beef. And so when they hit our website, we want them to be able to actually get more stuff than what they want or just beef. Um, so we started up this Good Life Brands, um, where we'll eventually kind of have its own website, but we'll be obviously focusing on selling certified Piedmontese, but looping in some of our partners that we've worked with for a long time. Uh, Smart Chicken, if you guys are familiar with that chicken company, we used to own that four plus years ago. Um, so we've always been had a close relationship with them, um, but working with a sustainably sourced seafood company, a lobster company, uh, we're working with an Iowa producer for a lot of pork that um, also supplies Whole Foods. So we're trying to really pick out producers that can, they have the story. Mm-hmm. So we'll just you know buy product from them and just add it to our offering. So mm-hmm. a consumer can get some beef, chicken, yeah. uh, and unfortunately, I don't not a seafood person, but um, there's a lot of people that love it. So yeah, um, I, I love we do it. a lot of seafood. Surf and yeah. turf is the best. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll cook it for a photo, but as far as eating it, it's just not for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like so, this good life uh, in our protein collection is really just to acquire more customers. So even if they come to our site for uh, Wixter Seafood, for example, 
and they stumble across certified Piedmontese, that's also an extra way to get CP into that yeah. uh, customer's cart. So we can use those other proteins to help push our own brand. So we'll obviously have to invest a lot in that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. But those are easier stories to tell. And then once we got them and we get slip CP in there, maybe we slip them a discount code for uh-huh. a free New York strip. There we go. And they have that uh, certified Piedmontese, and you know that's where that uh, conversion happens, I mm-hmm. suppose, to get them to believe in what we have to sell. You really do have to try it to believe. I mean, I can attest to that. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. What, um, as far as like the scale that you guys are working at, like how many head do you have right now? Is there, is there a number for that? So that number can kind of change mm-hmm. all over the place, but we are the only Piedmontese producer in North America that can supply a 52-week supply of this beef. Okay. Uh, a lot of the other producers that do have Piedmontese, they might be harvesting 10 head a week, 10 head a month, 100 head a week, mm-hmm. etc. But we're the only ones that can absolutely 100% of the time supply the country with 52-week supply of that, both business-to-business to retail as well as direct-to-consumer. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously to your current customer base which i'm sure you guys want to grow so you'll continue to grow your your uh, producers correct yep and and ideally the the perfect storm would be box in box out every single week uh we still have growth within our current herd numbers to achieve that um so we do have i mean obviously everybody wants their ribs strips and and fillets Mm -hmm. pismo tenderloins Mm -hmm. but what do we do with you know the secondary cuts your thin meats your Mm -hmm. flat meats things like that so finding homes for those every week is going to be what's currently a challenge of ours yeah Uh, but we're seeing success and momentum here with with some players that will allow us to achieve that box in box out you know basically turning our inventory weekly Mm -hmm. and then at that point we're just taking pre-booked orders so uh, if you want to carry our products in your store simply you just you know need to give us a forward order so we can get it on the books for you awesome and you mentioned it earlier but what what What's the easiest way people can find you? Is there a website, or social media? Where do they need to go? Well, rather than having people try and spell Piedmontese, uh, cpbeef.com is probably <laughs> okay. the easiest way to, to hit us or just Google it. I mean, we're going to show up on a lot of those searches. Um, but, yeah, we get asked that question a lot, especially from folks in the Midwest. And while there are some retailers here and there mm-hmm. throughout the country, without actually knowing their zip code, our website, we're going to ship it right to your door, and it's going to be the best of the best. We really nailed the way we do it. It's going to come in an eco-friendly cooler. Um, to where you're not having to sit there and try and figure out what to do with all that styrofoam. Uh, but we do have some retailers here locally. Um, you know, obviously in West Omaha next year, we'll have our own butcher shop. So we'll be able to service some local stores or restaurants more easily with that store. Uh, Russ's Market in Lincoln, Nebraska also does carry our product. They have a store in Hastings, I think Carney as well, Beatrice. Um, but our, like our website, to get the cuts you want. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, you're going to go to some retailer that might just want these two cuts. Right. You know, where our website, we have, I don't know, 50. No, uh, we're big in Brussels, big contingency in uh, Australia. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, yep. we're worldwide. You know? yeah. You're going you're gonna to feel the common folk bump after this. So. We're going we're gonna <laughs> to send some of this Piedmontese back home. That's right. Yeah, and they do have, I don't know, did you say Australia or Austria? I'm gonna miss both, that. both. So, like, with Australia, there are some Piedmontese producers down there. They're not part of our program. Uh, but I think in New South Wales, they have a small uh, contingent okay. of Piedmontese cattle there down go. there. Is it Nebraska certified Piedmontese? No. Morgan got that. Again, it's just, I think it's too warm. I think the cattle enjoy the cooler climates that we offer here in yeah. Nebraska. Um, but yeah, the best way, and we again, our brand's starting to reach internationally as well. So yeah. it hurts our soul to tell them, I'm sorry, we can't really help you out. Um, but yeah, for the most part, if, as long as you've got a U.S. address, uh, we'll get a box right to your door. Sweet. Awesome. Do you have anybody in uh, 
in Italy that's like mad at you for what you're doing? Well, the thing I think it helps kind of promote Italy, yeah. right? We can't sell back into Italy. Um, uh-huh. They're very protective of their own producers and product over there. But again, the I think the quality difference is quite a bit different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Italy, we're kind of not allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. We did some export into Europe for a while there, but again, the price point yeah. became an issue again yeah. because yeah. you think about yeah. U.S. beef. Yeah, yeah. You think, oh, richly marbled and fatty. All of a sudden, here comes this lean. So I have to pay what for that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's no storytelling. So it's just used. meat over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so again, it's just we have to focus on the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and focus on our story, telling it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like I said, it's it's we enjoy the challenge. Yeah. Um, and like I said, the more people taste it and realize there's more out there, um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, for sure. Do you have some? What do you think, Ben? Should we uh, should we tease a farm focus discount for all the listeners out there? Oh, oh. That's, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, let's do a farm focus twenty five, and you'll get twenty five percent off your Piedmontese beef order. Nice, shipped right to your front door. Nice. Okay. Sweet. All right. So right here, you heard it right here on the I like Folk that. podcast. I like that. Well, does that deserve a little something from? It, it does. It okay, does. Okay. Let's yeah. do this. Let me write this down though, so I don't forget about. <laughs> don't let me forget. The code. I'm going to use the code. <laughs> <laughs> You might see an order from Ben. Yeah, all orders over 150 ship for free too. Nice. Oh, okay, so good. If you're in Nebraska, I mean, or ground shipping, it's like 15 bucks. Yeah. So I mean, it's not too expensive. Um, we do have to put dries and package it. Sure. It's not cheap yeah. to do it for yeah. free, but yeah. yeah, 150 and over, fill that freezer up. Enjoy it the, all throughout the holidays. Ooh, I lo- sweet. I love the uh, the marketing piece and what you guys are doing with it, and like even something as simple as what you said, you know, the website CP Beef. Like, that's so smart to me because, like you said, it's hard to spell and all these kinds of things. But you think, oh, let's make this easy for people. I can barely read. So trying to spell something like Piedmontese. <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah. How did we get him on here, Ben? <laughs> I thought he was your, your buddy. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that is a story we'll have to go down. <laughs> yeah. How do I end yeah. up here? Yeah. <laughs> well, good stuff, guys, man. I really appreciate you coming. It's super interesting. I, For myself personally, I've seen the name and seen the signs for the last few years now. Yes. And I I really didn't know what was going on. I thought it was probably just a restaurant somewhere or something. And I've kind of heard the, all these other little things here and there about it. Mm-hmm. And then Andy, having worked with you guys with NCN, and I was just like, man, this is super interesting stuff. And now hearing what yeah. you guys are saying, it's even more interesting than I even imagined. Well, when we talked uh, on an earlier pod with Doug, and he talked about beef production, he mm-hmm. brought you guys up and goes, "Oh, yeah. what those guys are doing with Piedmontese?" And he did. Like, that's right. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. 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 So yeah, you get us in a room with a bunch of cattlemen; they're just as much interested, even though they understand raising cattle and producing beef. Mm-hmm. When you talk about Piedmontese and how we're doing it in Nebraska, then you throw in that grass-finished wrinkling in there. I can tell oh, you, yeah. even they're all just glued. Mm, like, yeah. like, how is this being done? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's fun to even talk to those guys that are part of this industry. Yeah. Um, it's cool to hear that, too, because my um, my suspicion would be that a lot of guys would be like, oh, get that crap out of here. You're not doing, you know, we use, this is the way we do it, you know. So it's cool to hear that people are interested and want to learn and maybe apply some of the techniques or whatever to make their operation even better. Yeah, and I don't want to go too far down, you know, more stories. I could be talking all day, but, you know, we required a lot of farmlands in Nebraska so we can help raise all the grasses we need to finish all our animals. So we're buying prime farm ground, like in York and Seward County, all throughout Nebraska, even parts of the Midwest. But we're taking this farm ground that's doing corn and soybeans, great yields, and turning it into grassland. So if you can imagine being the neighbor... I'm like, what the hell yeah. are those guys yeah. doing? Yeah. And then like, they're raising grass-finished beef in Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a conversation starter. That yeah. goes back yeah. into the sustainable stuff, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I guarantee it. Cool. Well, um, one thing we like to do is is share a couple things with folks. 
you guys kind of see this cool table we're sitting around. So a buddy of mine made this table. <clears throat> Excuse me. And right here in the middle of the table, we've got this little hidden compartment. So I'm going to show you guys what's going on here real quick. Boom. Little speakeasy. I've been staring at this for like an over an hour and I had no idea. <laughs> you had no idea. <laughs> That's the idea. So uh, Andy mentioned Doug earlier. You want to talk about him a little bit? Oh, yeah. So Doug's a distiller out of uh, West Point there. Uh, Cooper's Chase a Bourbon and Vodka is what he does, and he does it all right behind his house there in his shop. It's just phenomenal. So once again, it's a Nebraska brand made in Nebraska, the whole nine yards. Uh, the grains that he uses in his distillery are taken right out of the local elevator there. So pretty awesome. I mean, you're looking at a cornfield that's just right outside of town, goes to the local elevator, and that's what he uses in his distillery to make this bourbon and this vodka. Yeah, so cool and deal. so we've had Doug on the podcast. He's just a friend yeah. of the podcast. He doesn't he doesn't pay us to talk about this stuff. We just think it's awesome, uh, and we like to have a drink with everybody. So have guys in. You guys are familiar with the Handle Bend brand. <clears throat> you had mentioned earlier you guys have done some stuff with them, I think. Yeah, I went to college one year back in Midland with one of the owners there. Nice. So I consider him a good friend, even though he was a, he was a beast to deal with in the dorms. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> good bunch of guys, absolutely. Well, that could be a good story. Is there a reason why he got into making drinkware? <laughs> I, look, I haven't really ho- heard the whole story, but if you really knew him, or I only know um, Step and his wife, Melanie, uh, mm-hmm. but like if you know them as a people, like this does fit them perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Especially how prideful they were of O'Neill and their home community. For sure. Makes total sense. Yep, yep. Super cool brand. So We've been working with them from the start. Um, they made some cups for us. They give us some gift packs, these types of things. Uh, so we like to drink out of these when we share a drink with, with folks. So you guys down for a little vodka or bourbon? One in Rome, right? Yeah, there you go. All right. So take your pick. You want anything more? No, I'm good. Thank I'm, you. I'm going to do the you bourbon. Sure? You sure about that? I'm good. We're bourbon fellas, too. You're bourbon? All Everyone's right. doing bourbon. Yeah. That price. That price would be all right. I did the vodka last time. I normally drink the, the bourbon. I'm not a big vodka guy. And I was very pleasantly surprised by how it's how good well it vodka. Tasted. It's yeah. good vodka, smooth. Yeah, yeah, I dug it. Oh, uh, you dug it. <laughs> Doug made that. That's so ah. funny. <laughs> hey, we're gonna have to hit Doug up and get uh, a little bit more of this I stuff see too, that. huh? Yeah, it's coming. Bottle's getting a little low. Well, it lasts about fifteen pods. Yeah, right. <laughs> Is it <laughs> average bottle? So, cheers to you guys. Appreciate you guys coming to town. Um, I know it uh, takes a good amount of your day to come down here, but super yeah, interesting. Thank you. We're I'm I'm very excited to share this with folks. I would say that uh, 100% my life, I've always been grain-fed beef guy. That's what you would expect, I'm sure. You know, you come down here. This is what we do in Nebraska, and I am extremely uh, curious and excited to try it. The story. Everything makes sense, so we'll see see what it's like, huh? Yeah, we don't yeah. want it. I mean, you can still buy the grain finish. We don't have to be in every day, but like, it's cool to enjoy different beef out there. I yep. mean, as far yep. as experience or you know, your culinary towns grow, mm-hmm. yeah. but like also to support other types of Nebraska farmers and ranchers out there. I just think it's cool to have an, an option out there that um, can be healthier, but really just a totally different steak or meat experience. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. So yep. let's toast to your guys's your new tagline, not the old one that confused people in California. What's the new one? Real Nebraska beef. Let's do this to real, real Nebraska, Nebraska beef. Right. Let's Cheers. Have a Cheers. See what you think. Oops. You know that's pretty smooth for a, a shot. It is. Oh, I'm using a mixer at home. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's an easy drink. But we don't want to mm-hmm. forget people to hit us up during the holidays. We'll ship. 
your friends and family or coworkers all around the country. Um, we got some great holiday gift box items on our site. And your best part is if you call in, you'll probably get me or Joe on the line anyway. So Ooh, we'll get you, you get to talk this. to him. Oh, there we right. go. In the flesh. So, yeah, we'll, we'll help anybody. And like I said, it, holiday is a great time to send real Nebraska beef out. Better than another Nebraska beef company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. We'll leave them unmentioned. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, it's perfect time for sure. So. Well, thanks, what guys. Yeah, anything thanks. else? No, we got it. Guys I think got we got it, else? right? All right. Well, I'm going to hit this music and close this out. Let's All do right. It. All Peace. right. Thanks, guys. Later.